day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Packaday Podcast, your 24-7, 365 store for all things green and gold, from friends and fans of the green and gold. Uh, my name is Mike Wendland. Joining me again, Tyler Grizzagork. As the preseason is over, it is officially Bear Week in Lambeau Field and up at in Green Bay itself, as the regular season is just around the corner, less than a week away. And Tyler, I can't wait. Uh, me neither. I mean, we've been waiting for real football for six months now. <laughs> And, uh, you know, college football started last night. We're recording on the Friday before our show. Uh, college football started last night. SU took a easy victory over Kent State. And uh, I'm just excited for more more real football. So, uh, you know, bring on Bears-Packers on Thursday. I agree. And so as we look forward to it, we're going to be taking a look at some of our opinions of camp and what we saw in the preseason using the old tried-and-true trope of using superlatives that you'd see in, like, a high school yearbook. So we'll be going through that briefly as well. Also breaking down... The cuts that have been confirmed by um, numerous reporters over the course of Friday, as well as what we think with some of the other implications by guys who weren't cut, as maybe also some old friends who got cut from other teams that maybe they could make their way back into Lambeau Field. So that being started, don't forget as well to hit hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we are there. So give us a subscription, give us a comment, review us. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out a lot as well. So tell, let's take a look at the guys who have been cut. So th- I'm using this from the from Acme Packing Company, as well as Packer Wire, which is also USA Today, which Zach Cruz and Joe Kipp do a very great job with that. So we'll st- the first guy is guard Dijon Allen, and this is such a funny thing. The guy was signed yesterday, showed up, got a handful of plays about half an hour before the game, saying, "If you get in, these are we're going to use this so you can learn." Met his teammates in the huddle for the first time. And then played pretty well in the final drive, helping open up holes for Keith Ford and Dexter Williams. Yeah, you know, I, I never thought more of the signing than, hey, we're playing the Bears on Thursday, less than a week from now, and we need we need some inside intel. You know, the NFC North is notorious for this. I don't I don't necessarily like it, but you know, Allen came in and actually played well, and uh, he may earn himself on a practice squad. So. Let's let's see how that kind of unfolds. I'm actually really excited to see what the Packers do with their practice squad. Period. But you know, it's a sad story for Allen because I think that you know the little the little flashes that we got, there was actually quite a bit of promise. And, and so. he said as much in an interview. He said like, I know I'm probably not going to make the team, but I'm hoping that I showed enough and they showed enough trust in me to maybe give me a spot on the practice squad. He did spend last year with the Bears on the practice squad, so I think another year could probably help him there. He's still a young player. But uh, other another player that got cut, fullback Tommy Bohannon. No surprise there. He was brought in with with injuries to the position. He's a guy who's a veteran guy who can be found anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by him being cut, but it it signifies that Danny Vitale is the guy. Yeah, and we've known that since I think OTAs. Maybe uh, it's been quite a while that we've known Vitale would be the guy. You know, I thought Bohannon would be the only guy to really. Uh, challenge Vitaly and make him compete for the position. But, you know, like we just said, I, I think Vitaly's had that position on lockdown for a while. And, and Rogers seems to really enjoy his presence and really, you know, trust him, I think, 
uh, with various various aspects of the offense. And as we've talked about and I've talked about at length, that's a big thing going forward. And that also means uh, Malcolm Johnson was waived injured, so they'll work out a settlement with him, and he will eventually make his way out as well. Uh, another guy that got cut, guard Anthony Coyle, which is it's not a surprise. He he had graded really well in week one against Houston, but since then he has just really kind of backslid in games and to the point where he's been he was overpowered routinely in the middle. And so he's a guy where he's a he's a potential practice squad candidate because he's he has to really get in the weight room and really bulk up, but there were some flashes as a pass blocker that he could maybe develop into like a rotational guy in the future. Well, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because there was a a handful of plays where I you know, when you're watching the broadcast, it's kind of hard to tell who's who at first. You kind of have to go back afterwards and see if you can catch a visual cue or find out who it was. And there were quite a few plays where I was like, man, I was like, that was a good that was a good block from that dude. Who was that? And you go back and you find out it was Coyle. Or uh, I think the favorite thing that he did, um, the favorite thing of mine that he did was when a Packer would score, he was reminding them to go jump into the stands. Uh, if you have, you know, 20 minutes to, to go watch re- – to go rewatch preseason football. I know you probably have better things to do with your life, but if you want to go watch some, some awesome Packer love, just go watch Anthony Coyle direct his teammates after a touchdown to go jump in the stands. I, I thought that was awesome. And, um, you know, it, it, it is, it is the business, but I don't think we were any, any of us were expecting Coyle to make this 53. No, I, I agree. And another name that again, not only I didn't really expect it, especially after he struggled mightily in the games is, the best name on the team, but that's Gerhard De Beer. He actually broke his release himself on Twitter. He broke it early on Friday morning. And again, it's not much of a surprise. They brought him in last year as a major developmental guy, and he just really hasn't panned out. He's really, really mightily struggled in the games, and he almost got multiple quarterbacks injured over the course of the four games. Yeah, you know, as as awesome as his name is, uh, not much to say about Gerard De Beer. And that's exactly how, I mean, it's exactly, I think, how you would describe his play. It's just very average. And my biggest memory of him is going to be at the two training camps I practices I went to this year. He had one of the best traditions was he would carry the bike and the kid would be on his shoulders and he'd walk with them. Like, like a, like a proud father. It was really cool. Uh, Another name gone is Jacquez Khalili, the corner. They brought him in last week. Just a body they needed for the game. Nothing there. A surprising one that they cut early already was Trey Matthews. Uh, the safety really had a strong game. Yeah, some people were talking about Trey Matthews as a surprise 53 um, master candidate. Um, I personally didn't see it. I, I think that spot is Will Redmond at this point in time. Um, but I could see why people were high on Trey Matthews. He made a couple few, uh, couple few. He made a few flashy plays, and. Uh, I think that he provides some good thump in that secondary, something that Kentrell Bryce used to provide. And I think, honestly, was what kept him on this roster for so long. He was kind of a big hitter, and that's not necessarily something you find in the, in the defensive backfield all the time anymore. Um, it's a lost art as far as tackling safeties go, and it's something that Trey Matthews provided. And I think that he provided a lot of energy to that group as well. And I think that he's a prime practice squad candidate. I think so, absolutely, 100%. He, he's a lot like uh, Jermaine Whitehead in that way, too, especially the Auburn connection as well, but I think that kind of role could be fit for him. Uh, another couple guys that, no surprises, are tight end Farrell McKeever, uh, corner Jackson Porter, and Nidera Rouse. None of those guys really had much of a chance. Uh, same with Deion Simon and Malik Taylor. 
But these last two guys I want to bring up are guys who I think are prime practice squad guys. Um, that's uh, receiver Teo Redding, who despite a bad drop on Thursday night on a what was probably might be the best throw Sean Kaiser's ever made, that uh, Redding drop, he looked pretty strong in the second quarter, had some really nice plays. And Brady Sheldon, the linebacker, who to me was turning into a dark horse to make the roster. He showed very good coverage skills as well as a, a nose for the football. He, he almost had a pick in Baltimore. He picked off a two-point conversion in Canada, and he's a guy where I think I think you got to find a way to get him back to the practice squad. You know, I, I kind of agree about Sheldon. I, I was looking at his performance in, uh, against Oakland, not in Oakland, but against Oakland, and I thought this was this was high on the rise, especially at a position that was rather depleted. If he had performed, if, he, if his performance had taken another step against, um, oh my goodness, I always blank on opponents. I always blank on opponents uh, against Kansas City. Yeah, and if he had taken another step in, in Week Four against Kansas City, he probably would have warranted more of a discussion for the roster. But you know, if if you're not performing in the preseason, you're, you're probably not going to perform in the regular season. He didn't really perform in Weeks One and Two. At least he didn't didn't really flash. He was just kind of a guy out there. Uh, he had a couple nice plays against Oakland, and then against Kansas City, he just kind of disappeared again, I think. And I also noticed that Ty Summers got, what, it was maybe 85%, if not 90, of the defensive snaps. He, that was obviously the guy that they wanted to see the most out of. Brady Sheldon is going to be a guy that they, I think they look to bring back because I think he has some tremendous athletic tools that in, you can't teach athleticism. I think... And uh, instincts as well. He's got some decent instincts as a inside linebacker. Those are two things you can't teach. I think he's going to find his way back to the practice squad eventually. Um, and T.O. Redding as well. I, it's really sad because you said it was the best the best throw that we've seen from Kaiser. I think the best throw we saw from Kaiser was actually the last preseason, that big play to Kumaro, because that 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 throw was very very underrated by a majority of of the media. That throw was insane. Um, this throw was also pretty. Pretty freaking good. Um, Teal Redding, I wish would have come out with it because Kaiser gets a lot of hate, and I know that you and I personally have been fighting a lot of that on Twitter. <laughs> but Kaiser gets a lot of hate. And I don't think a lot of it's warranted. And if Teal Redding comes down with that ball, I think we're talking about Deshaun Kaiser in a different light today. And um, Teal Redding is a guy that was hyped up all the way through OTAs and camp by. Uh, one of our own, Andy Herman, you know, one of the guys who was there uh, as a guy who was making plays and becoming a dark horse roster candidate and and then just kind of flared out in, in the preseason. And I, I'm excited to see what this what they do with these wide receivers. You know, I don't think T.O. Redding ever really had a real shot. Once Darius Shepard emerged, Jay Kumro solidified himself, um, you know, Trevor Davis started showing out. But I think that they can – I definitely think they can sneak Teal Redding back onto the practice squad. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do with the rest of the group, but Teal Redding should be a practice squad guy. Absolutely. And another big thing, which we, we can talk about briefly as well, was this is from Rob Namofsky of ESPN. Uh, and this is his, his quote. At this point, I'm told Tim Boyle is not expected to be cut, but nowhere yet. And if he's the number two or number three quarterback, or if they're even keeping three, there's still plenty of moving parts before Saturday's deadline. So it sounds like Boyle is on the team, and we I think we both agree that I think that means three quarterbacks. And Boyle still might be the number two, 
but I, I, don't, I do think that they're not going to move on from Kaiser just yet. He's still only 23. And, and you're right, we both have really gone, gone to bat on Twitter for him, even with some of our own, our own compa- compatriots here. But I think, I think the upside for Kaiser is too, too great yet. And I think Boyle's got some too. But uh, my comparison was Kaiser's ceiling is a poor version of Donovan McNabb or a better version of Aaron Brooks. And Boyle's is Gus Farratt. And that's going to get me in trouble, but I think both guys have deserved, probably deserve to be on the roster this year. I, I, I think so, too. And, you know, I think the only reason we were looking at only carrying two quarterbacks in the regular season is because that's become the new fad, the new norm. I think LaFleur said it best today. If you've got three guys, you take three guys. And I think they have three guys at this point in time. So I, I'm looking at this roster. I originally did not predict that, they, that they'd carry three quarterbacks. I was leaning Kaiser because of what you said, the upside. But, you know, I could have seen either way if it had been Boyle or Kaiser. I do think they carry all three now. And what position that affects most, maybe defensive line, maybe wide receiver, or even running back. I don't think they carry more than three running backs other than Danny Vitale. He doesn't count for this position, for this discussion. But, you know, I, I wonder where that extra roster spot is going to come from. No, that's a big thing. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning toward receiver. Or maybe uh, inside linebacker, we, like it could it could lead to uh, we might see an IR move for Curtis Bolton. Uh, we may lose James Crawford, but I think that might be the price you pay to keep the two young quarterbacks. But another well, last thing before we get to our our training camp superlative wrap up, uh, I've currently found seven players or well USA Today did six of them. I found another one, seven former Packers who were cut by other teams today. And so we can kind of talk very briefly about them and whether we think that there might be a chance to re- uh, maybe a return in the cars for them. And the first one is the most fascinating to me, and that's Dayton Jones, the former first-round pick defensive lineman. And uh, uh, his story to me is really sad because I remember him absolutely dominating in his first training camp. He was really good, then got a high ankle sprain and was never the same as a defensive end. They moved him back outside, and he really kind of struggled. But he was uh, released by Jacksonville today, and he actually tweeted at Rob Domofsky saying, uh, basically saying, send my film to the coaching staff and see if I can get another chance again. Because he played well for the Jaguars. He blocked a kick. He was pretty strong in the trenches. And he's a guy who, there, there's a reason he was a first-round pick. The talent's still there. He just got to find a spot to harness it. Well, and if you're Mike Patton, and we know the kind of player that Mike Patton has been targeting this entire offseason and last offseason, you have to be, you know, you have to be considering this because... Dayton Jones is a guy who played an incredibly versatile role within that Packers defense under Dom Capers. He was standing up. He was playing that elephant role, you know, that that hybrid edge defensive lineman role. And if you're if you're Mike Patton, you you're trying to add all the versatility you can to your defense. I think that I think that Dayton Jones warrants a good look. You know, he's going to be familiar with the team as far as what to expect in Green Bay, I guess. Um, he may not be familiar with the teammates anymore with all the turnover, but at this point, I don't think it matters. I think he's worth a final roster spot to throw on the back end if you think that he can come in and be um, be a reliable backup. Obviously, there's a reason Jacksonville moved on. I don't know what it is. It appeared as though he was playing well over there, and they decided to ultimately move on, and it would be nice to know that reason, but I, I do think he's worth a look. 
And and the other six names, I think I don't think there's any chance they ever come back to Green Bay, but they're at least worth mentioning as we bid farewell to some old favorites. Uh, Don Barclay is got released by Denver today. Uh, corners Quentin Rollins and from San Francisco and Josh Hawkins in Philadelphia got released. Uh, Christian Ringo got cut by Cincinnati. Kofi Amicia by Carolina, the offensive lineman, and a guy who people were petitioning even a couple weeks ago to think about bringing back. Quarterback Joe Callahan was released by Baltimore today. <laughs> uh, no surprise there. Yeah. They're going with Lamar at RG3. That's not a shock there. So for those seven guys, uh, we bid adieu. And maybe for Daytona Jones, maybe see you soon. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. But it's very interesting to see some former players who were still in the league that we may not have, we may have forgotten about that at least got another chance, which is always a good thing. And I know a lot of those guys, especially guys like Quentin Rollins, Daytona Jones, Barclay, battled injuries I remember Barclay started 16 games at right tackle for a year, and then he blew out his knee. So he he was a starter here. But seeing seeing some guys who are moving on, it's it's tough to see. And this is always going to be a tough weekend for everybody who's a football fan, because almost a thousand players will be out of a job by by Sunday, and it's going to be tough to see some guys' dreams get dashed. Yeah. I- as much as and as candidly as we talk about this, it's it is it's a very actually dreary weekend because of all the guys who have been putting in all this work for the last we'll say five months since the draft, and all of a sudden you know they're just going to be out of a job. And obviously some of them are going to have an opportunity again. But the sad part, the sad thing, sad portion of the story, I can't think of my words today. The sad part of the story is that most of them are not going to have another chance in the NFL. And that's really disheartening sometimes, but it's just a matter of the business. It's just the way it is. So um, if these guys truly love football, they'll find another way to play or contribute. But, um, you know, it's, it is part of the business and sad, but we all move on. So you have to be the, the most painful sentence in, in, in sports. Coach wants to see you bring your playbook. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there, there's nothing tougher than that. E- even though there's a really good story on the Athletic uh, about Robert Tanyan, someone sent him that text last year when, as some like an, an old teammate who had gotten cut and was mad, sent that to him. And so Tanyan went to visit the coaching staff and was upset, and they were like cheering and clapping and congratulating him, telling him that he had made the team. So there there's that aspect of well, but. But for a, lot of the, for a lot of these guys, this is the last time they'll put on pads, the last time they'll put on spikes or a helmet. And, and, and so for all those players, we thank you for the entertainment, we thank you for the time, and we wish you all the very best for your futures. And no matter what, these guys are some of the best of the best athletes in, in sports. It's, it's, it's no joke be, even in a, being in an NFL training camp. You have to be very good at what you do. You really do, and there's a reason why... The, the guys who make this 53 are literally the best of the best. They're the best players in the world. There's no other league in the world that even compares to what the NFL has to offer in terms of competition. Um, you know, the guys who are making it are truly the best of the best. And it's just not everybody can be the best. <laughs> Very much so. Not everyone can be Burt Starr. But that being said, let's jump into our, uh, our wrap-up, for at least for us, for our superlatives. Uh, I, I know you've been down in Arizona, so you haven't had a chance to make up. I, I've been to two practices, and I've watched all the games. But just kind of what we've seen and where we think. So with that being said, what's, let's go with our biggest surprise of camp in the preseason. And Tyler, I'll go to you for that. I think my biggest surprise would probably be Alan Lazard. Now, Darius Shepard is 
an honorable mention for this, but I think Alan Lazard truly impressed me. Uh, Darius Shepard, I, I heard stories from OTAs of, of what this guy had to offer, um, and he performed well. Uh, I don't think he exceeded, you know, I don't think he was excellent. I, I do think he performed well. However, Alan Lazard, to me, was making NFL caliber plays on the regular in preseason. Now, you want we can talk about the competition he played against all day long. That's fine. But I think Alan Lazard was making contested catches, running efficient routes, and just overall making tough plays, which for a guy of his of his stature, that's the type of plays he's going to have to make. And I, I, I saw the ability of what he was doing in preseason being able to translate well to the regular season. And I think that's why he surprised me the most. No, I, I agree, and I, I've seen a lot of Lazard having lived close to Iowa State for a long time, and I watched a lot of his games in the Big 12, and I actually lobbied for him to get drafted by the Packers last year. So I'm not surprised that he's been as good as he has, as much as, as some other people. But for for me, I'm it's got to be Kingsley Kiki. He's been... I knew he was going to be solid, but I didn't think he was going to be ready to make this big of an impact right away. I thought it was going to take him a few games to kind of get used to the NFL, but he stepped in the first game of the year and was already standing out, and he was already living in offensive backfields. I don't care what the competition was, and he only improved with that as every single game went by, including a huge game against Kansas City, and I, th- I think he's a guy where he he's going to be pushing for extensive snaps sooner rather than later, and he's and he's a guy to me that... And I know you've been hyping him up a lot even since even before the draft, and he's a guy who I think is going to make a very big impact on passing downs early on. Yeah, and exactly. And I can just tell you, upset. You're the biggest smile on my face right now because Kiki is going. He's going to be. I don't know if it's Kiki or Kiki. I've seen. I've literally seen so many different variations of pronouncing it. Um, but the point is, he is. I projected him to be a year two impact. I projected him to sit behind Mike Daniels for a year uh, and then take over next year. And we'd be seeing what we're seeing this year is what we would be seeing next year. And we'd be like, okay, we're okay. We lost Mike Daniels. We've got Kingsley Keek. Well, that same thing has happened. It's just now. And I I think that he's going to really provide – he locked himself into that fourth defensive line position almost immediately. As As soon as the preseason started, he locked himself into that fourth defensive line position. And I think that in this type of defense, granted, they're not going to play a ton of defensive linemen all the time. But as a fourth defensive lineman, he's going to see significant snaps this year for a fifth-round pick. And I think we're going to notice it right away. And I think we're going to be talking about him next year as a truly impact player. Maybe not because they just they did just lock down Dean Lowry. But maybe we're talking about him taking over from Montrevious Adams if Montrevious Adams can't stay healthy or if he doesn't continue to uh, progress Maybe he hits the ceiling. You know, there's all these different things. Either way, if the Packers are running it as 2020 with uh, Clark, Lowry, Adams, and Keek, and that's their defensive line core, I think that they're set for quite a bit. And uh, I'm very excited for this group as a whole. No, I agree. And and for, I think Kiki's going to take snaps from Lowry on passing downs. I think Adams' pass rush upside is too good to maybe take snaps from him, but. If you if you want to run a three man defensive front on like a third and five and you put those three out there to go after the quarterback, I think it's a very strong way. And so we had our biggest surprise that naturally there is always a flip side to every coin and for us that is the biggest disappointment. And I'll start this one and to me, it's been Natrell Jamerson. Uh, I I pushed hard for him when they signed him last year. 
I watched him in Wisconsin a lot. He was a versatile player. He was a big play guy. He was a returner. He could play corner and safety. He was drafted fairly high, tested out, out of the roof when he was at the Combine and on Pro Day. And it just never clicked in this training camp. He had moments, but he, he was seemed like he was always a step behind in coverage. He started off tackling like the last guy who wore number 21 in the beginning of the training camp, and he really just kind of fell behind guys like Will Redmond, guys like uh, Raven Green, and Trey Matthews really kind of took took over for him, and Shannon Sullivan getting snapped to safety really helped as well, hurt him as well. So I think... I thought at, at worst he could be a practice squad guy, but now I don't, I don't even think that. I think he's going to be gone completely. Yeah, I just, as you were saying, I, I never really was high on Jamerson. I think I maybe had a, a little bit of a soft spot for him because he did play at Wisconsin. But in terms of him being an NFL safety, I never really had um, never really had any high hopes for him. Uh and I just kind of, every time he would make a mistake, I would hang my head, shake my head, and he would do the same. And I, that's not something I want to see out of a player. Me as a fan, whatever, I can watch the game and be disappointed in a player. But in a player To see a player consistently make mistakes, to consistently throw his hands up or consistently hang his head, you just don't want to see that. And I think it just kind of ate away at him after a while. And I think he lost all of his confidence eventually. And now we're talking about him as a definite roster cut absolutely so i'll turn to you what's 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 been the biggest disappointment for you out of camp biggest disappointment so i I, if i had to pick a a biggest disappointment and i'm gonna go kind of a cop out here but honestly it would have to be captain king again and just how he can't stay healthy i really thought i really thought after last year you know the after a second year in the NFL and a, a second year of NFL conditioning and, and, and strengthening and all of that stuff, I really thought after the surgery, uh, the shoulder surgery, I just, I imagined he'd be healthy. And I figured we, we could finally move on past the, the rookie and the sophomore years and just get healthy. And then, you know, we get into OTAs and all of a sudden his hamstring is acting up now. And, and it's not that he hasn't had a hamstring injury in the past, but it's just something else. It's one thing after the other with Kevin King. I just want to see him get healthy and get on the field consistently. And we've talked about it. When Kevin King is on the field for this for this Green Bay Packers defense, it's completely different. He changes the way that they can play the game. And I just want to see him get on the field and be be the corner that I know he can be. We've got glimpses. We've gotten glimpses of it, glimpses of it in the past. And I would like to just see him finally realized that potential and I think that's ultimately who I'm most disappointed with this this preseason and training camp all right and we we have just a few more left and as far as King goes I agree with you to an extent I wonder how much he's actually still hurt and how much is them just playing it safe and keeping him out till Chicago because everything I've been reading is that he's been running well during practices he's been going through the stretching drills he's been going through a lot of the conditioning stuff and that they just haven't put him on with the team stuff so I'm wondering if that's just maybe them trying to be to be safe and just knowing his history, taking all precautions to make sure that he will be in Chicago playing. I hope so. <laughs> Very much so. So we have just a few more left. And so this one will go with who do you think was the most underrated player in camp? Honestly, I'm going to go with Will Redmond. And the reason I bring up Will Redmond, he was always around the football. And I think it was a couple plays in the second preseason game. 
he was he was around the football like I said he was just, he was just always around the, the ball carrier and there were a couple plays where he just blew up he blew up a play whether it was defending the middle of the field on the crossing route or blowing up an outside run he was just shooting through gaps and making tackles and then there were a couple plays where he missed a couple tackles but he seemed to rectify those issues moving forward and he was just playing so instinctual and so fast that I, I just couldn't keep my eyes off him, and I kept wondering, where is Redmond on this play? And so he's a guy that I'm, I'm really looking forward to him making the 53, hopefully. Uh, um, but I, I think he had a fantastic camp and a fantastic preseason. I agree. I, I saw a lot of why he was a top 100 pick a few years ago. Exactly. Just, well, exactly. in the Trent Balky, we're going to draft an injured player in the third round and hope he gets healthy thing. But I think he showed a lot of talent. I agree. He's gonna be. I think he'll be a core special teamer and that versatile guy that they're looking for. Uh, for me, my most underrated player is gonna be Justin McCray. I think he, the fact that he played every offensive snap last on Thursday, is something that has to be commended. He, he, he knew he was battling for a roster spot. He knew that, but he had been on the team for a couple years. He did whatever it took to make sure that he was on the field and. He played guard. He played a he's a ton of center. He's probably the number two center right now, and the fact that he did his job, did it well, did it quietly, and was a guy who who was doing even against the four stringers and guys going to be working at FedEx in a week or two, he did a very very good job. And I think he's a guy where I think he's probably pretty safe on a roster spot. And he, a guy like that is something who I want in my locker room, who I want on my team. You know, McCray is a guy for me that he. Last week I was I was counting him off this roster. I just was not impressed. But as you mentioned, I actually came away impressed with how he with how he played uh, last last night uh, as we're recording on Friday again. Um, and I've actually put him on my final fifty three. And he's a guy like you said. He's pretty versatile along the interior of that offensive line. Uh, you mentioned you thought that he was the second ta- second center on on this depth chart. I, I kind of disagree. I think Elton Jenkins might be the second center and. That's just because he played that position in college, and so I'm I'm looking I'm looking at this group of offensive line, and I think there's a place for Justin McRae. I also could see a justification of moving on without him. You know, there were times there were times last year that really really put a, a black mark on his career, and I I think I think he can move past that. You know, he's never been not anything but a hard worker and a team first guy. And I, I would love to have him on the 53 moving forward because he just provides so much versatility as far as what he can do on the uh, interior offensive line. And when you when you start talking about backups, that's all that really matters is guys who can play multiple positions. Okay, and then, so as we just had a couple more superlatives left for us, let's go with our favorite play from the preseason. And I'll, I'll start, and for me, it's pretty simple. It's Trevor Davis absolutely mossing a guy in Canada. That that play, for years and years we've ta- we've heard about how Trevor Davis will never be able to play on offense, how he'll only be a special teams guy. Well, he showed against a, a former Badger, Nick Nelson, what he can do as a receiver. And Boyle made a, a solid throw, and Davis just went up and got it. And he showed that he can be a wide receiver in the NFL. And that play, I think, cemented his spot in, on the team this year and showed that he can actually be a factor in Matt LeFleur's offense. I, I think that he has a place in this offense. And, then, you know, you talked about special teams, and that's probably going to be his main role. But I do agree with you, and I think that he has a legitimate place on this offense. Uh, 
another another guy in that in that realm, Darius Shepard. He had a couple nice plays. I remember I think there was a kickoff during the first preseason game, or maybe it was the second one. I honestly don't remember. But where he had a really nice shimmy on a return, and he kind of broke loose, and he ultimately only getting like only ended up getting like thirty or forty yards. But it was a nice play in general. Alan Hazard had a couple noteworthy plays where that made me go wow, um, just from a perspective of how he got open and the intelligence that he seemed to the to put on display. But I'm honestly for my play for my best play of the preseason, I'm going to go with the Deshaun Kaiser throw to T.O. Redding that wasn't completed. Because Deshaun Kaiser, uh, later on in that game, also made another, actually, I think, pretty underrated throw. Uh, as he was being pressured to Jamal Moore, um, basically the theme was he was making, making plays under pressure and making some pretty darn good throws at that. And I think that Deshaun Kaiser, for me, earned play of, the play of the preseason with that throw to T.O. Redding, whether, whether or not it was caught, but it should have been caught, so we'll, we'll give the nod to Kaiser. Okay, and then for our last one, it's the most obvious one, our preseason MVP. So, Tyler, I'll ask you, who was your MVP of the preseason? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, and, you know, I think I'm going to kind of go back to a guy that we've already talked about here. I think I'm going to go with Kingsley Keek, and the reason I'm going to do that he was impacting plays every every down. Every down he was in there, he was impacting plays. And he he's a guy who really put himself on the general public's radar throughout the preseason. We could talk about guys like Tim Boyle or Trevor Davis or even Darius Shepard. But those are all three guys who were super hyped up coming into the preseason. Um, Tim Boyle was already expected to be this guy who had a great arm and could make some ridiculous throws. And Darius Shepard was already supposed to be this guy based off of OTA hype that could come in and just make some, some really nice plays. And then Trevor Davis, we've always had the potential for the last four years. He, he, Trevor Davis has been talked about as a guy who could be a legitimate NFL wide receiver and make some legitimate NFL wide receiver plays. But Kingsley, I was going to say, Kingsley Keek, but Kingsley Keek was a guy who was not really talked about and a guy who made impact consistently and has solidified himself as probably a role on this defense moving forward. No, I agree with you, and that's a good good spot. Uh, for, for me, and I saw this on, on social media on Thursday night, and I kind of agree with it, uh, an honorable mention goes out to J.K. Scott because he was oh amazing yes. as, as with the, some of the punts he did. But for me, it's I'm gonna go with. Sorry, but it's amazing what happens when you get rid of Ron Zook. <laughs> Fair enough. The, the Zucker <laughs> strikes again. Uh, for for me, and, and I know he got hurt, but for me, it's Curtis Bolton. He, the fact that he went from an undrafted, undersized linebacker to a starting role by week two of the preseason, and yes, it was part of it was Burke's injury, but. He was showing up even before that, and he was playing very, very well. Had a nice interception on a tip. He's a guy where he, if he had stayed healthy, and we're still waiting on the MRI results, he was going to have a big role on this defense. And I think he's a guy where if if he is if he can be healthy, he could still be a very good player. And just these emergence, I think, was an exceptional. And and I haven't heard anything bad about him besides that knee injury. And so for me, Bolton is just a guy where. I, I I wonder what would have happened if if he had if they hadn't suited him up in in Canada. Yeah, well, 
here's the thing for me about Bolton. So I was I was impressed, and for all the reasons that you stated, you know, undrafted, undersized, but he's coming in and making plays. So I was impressed. I don't agree with the assessment that he was going to be a significant part of this defense. I think it would have caused Mike Patton to reevaluate the way he wanted to set out his to set up his defense and the amount of linebackers he wanted to play. Uh, I, I would not have felt comfortable personally sending Curse Bolton out there every other play. But you know, it goes to, it goes to show though the fact that we're putting him in that conversation was actually pretty impressive, as you stated. And he's, he's a, definitely a noteworthy player, I think, going forward. Whereas I think in the span of the 53 ro- the 53 man roster, we're probably not talking about him as more than uh, a relief for Blake Martinez and a special teams player. But I hope he can get healthy because this team needs linebackers bad. So those are all fair assessments, and I'm not going to say you're wrong. I think you have a very good points there. So with that being said, we will wrap things up here here for the Packaday podcast. Our superlatives, our breakdown of our reviews of training camp, also a rundown that we gave you guys of the guys who have been released that were confirmed by multiple reporters by the end of Friday. So stay tuned on all your favorite Packer websites and stuff to get the full list of the guys who are being cut over the weekend. The team itself will have their press release sometime on Saturday evening. And, of course, stay tuned every day for more episodes of the Packaday Podcast daily. There is no doubt we are there 24-7, 365, and eventually 366 as well in leap years. So for Tyler Grezegorek, you can find you at Tyler underscore Grez on Twitter. You can find me at Mike Women on Twitter. We'll say so long for now, and of course, as always, go pack go, and it is bear week. So let's get it. <laughs>